We thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Uh, Lord, I thank you for that word that my beautiful anointed wife just shared. And I, and I just pray that we would just see our inheritance. Uh, and I pray that our eyes would be open this morning as you, uh, as you speak through me. I just thank you for the word of the Lord. I thank you for a prophetic corporate word that brings a shift. Lord, sometimes we just need the shift. And we thank you that shift happens. Can I get an amen? And Lord, even when the other stuff is happening, we need a shift to happen. And, and Lord, I thank you for a prophetic anointing right now to, to bring a word to shift and, and, and actually declare the season that we're in. And, and we thank you for the season. How many are thankful right now for the season? How many know it's a good season? Thank you, Lord. How many know that we can stay in the season? How many know we don't have to just, you know, strive anymore, but we can just eat from the tree that bears fruit 12 months out of the year. Amen. And even when we go through a valley, we can turn it into a road to Zion. So Lord, we thank you for your presence. You're amazing. God, you're so amazing. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Now, would you give God like a really big, real, the real deal shout? Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, I'm going to just share my heart with you about a little bit of our journey. Uh, last week, I talked to you about rising up, and, uh, and there were some personal things that I shared. And I really could just feel some things shifting in my own heart, even, even in the last few weeks. And I feel like uh, this morning, I want to just share my heart with you about where I believe we're at right now as a church and, uh, and what, is in, what should be important to us and what we're stepping into. And in order to tell you that, I'm going to just give you a little story. And, um, you know, I, I could tell you a lot of stories about my family. Uh, most of you already know I have a beautiful wife. She was the woman that was up here prophesying. Uh, I was so powerful. When the second moment she got up here and prayed, I almost came up to the altar and had you lay hands on me. I'm not kidding. I'm like, okay, I want some of that. Come on, somebody. How many think we have an awesome woman of the house? Come on, the mama of the house. And that's, that's not flattery, that's honor, uh, because I, I just, I love my bride, and, uh, and I'm thankful for you. And I told her uh, in the moment of worship, I said, by the way, you're perfect in all your ways, and I love you. Uh, and I do, I do believe that. She is perfect, um, and some of you uh, know her well enough to know that she's perfect, right? Come on, somebody. Um, and I have beautiful kids, but behind all of that, persona, uh, life is messy sometimes, right? I can tell you all kinds of stories. If you came to my house, I got five kids and I have Laris. Laris is the, the handsome black man that's drumming. He keeps these people. He's the black up in this thing right here, right? Come on. He's, he's the one that delivers this church from the spirit of CRD, which is Caucasian rhythmic disorder. We don't got none of that in this church. And he helps me too. He helps me find who I am and helps me feel comfortable in my own skin. Come on, somebody. And, and so I got Laris in the house and, uh, and we have kids and sometimes our house is a little crazy, like getting up in the morning. Sometimes our, like we're a family. How many know we're, you know, we're a family, but sometimes we're a little disjointed. Um, and I've, I've told you some stories, but this morning was funny because I was getting ready and, uh, and I had a little jump. I had a little early start. How many love that early start? How many love being late? I hate being late, but I love that early start. And some people are just late and you got to love them through it. Amen. 
Just got to love them through it. And sometimes I'm late too. And, and I, I have grace for people that are late. But I, was, I had a jump start. And my son Josiah is awesome. But he does not like to wake up in the morning. Sometimes Rochelle has to like shake him and pour ice water on him. No, she doesn't really do that. She's like, I'm calling child, I'm calling CPS on you. But sometimes we really have to like, you know, we get out the paddles and uh, we have a friend that's an EMT and we just, no, we don't do <laughs> Get up now, son. But sometimes he doesn't want to get up. So I, I figured out, I tried like tricking him a couple times. So I'm like, all right, son, when you get up, you're going to be like a soldier, you know? So you're going to do push-ups and you're going to get up. And you know, that's how my dad tricked me when I was a kid. He's like, get up, get up, get up. You know, he was in the Air Force and he's like, get up. And I'm like, I'm a soldier. And I get up real quick, go to the bathroom and I get ready. I'm like, I'm ready, dad. You know, and, I, and he's like, I got you. That's probably what he's thinking. But I tried tricking Josiah like that. It didn't work. He still didn't get up. So one time I said, Josiah, um, I, I want you to get up and I want you to just stand up and I want you to do jumping jacks. And I'm thinking that'll get his heart rate going. I mean, that kind of wakes you up, right? And, and I did it. And <laughs> Instead of a jumping jack, I kind of got this. This kid's half asleep, right? And it, I got this. <laughs> I mean, it was just the funny. <laughs> and this morning, I did it again. And Rochelle's like, that's not a jumping jack. Put your arms up. You're not, do you even know how to do a jumping jack? <laughs> and she's like trying to get him to. But sometimes, like we're, we're a family. We love each other. But sometimes things are a little disjointed. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and you know, our journey as a church has been it's been fun, but it's been rough at times. And, and, and I think when you really want to pay the price for something or uh, real organic and fresh as the new breed, the generation that God's raising up, you're going to go through stuff because the goal is always about maturing in love and you can't mature in love unless you go through stuff. Amen. See, love is a word that we use that's often merely a concept or an idea until we actually sacrifice, give of ourselves, and go through some pain to get us to the place where we know what love is. Why is it so quiet right there? See, if I was you, I would be saying amen to myself. I really feel like uh, as a church, we're, we have gone through some stuff and, and we've been through some seasons. Like I, I'll tell you a real quick story. Now, first of all, my background, I grew up uh, in, in Denver, Colorado. And, uh, and I grew up, my mom, and my dad um, raised me there. And then I moved out here. My parents split up my, and my, I moved out here when I was 12 years old. And then I was a vegan and, uh, and I started living my teenage life here. I was a bit of a rebellious young teenager. I know that's hard to believe because you look at me and you think, man, he is just so awesome. But I was a, I was a bit of a jerk. And, uh, and so God, thank God for his love and grace. But, but I grew up in, in a, uh, and I grew up, both of my parents are absolutely incredible. Uh, my dad and my stepmom go to this church. My mom lives in Texas. Um, she's a widow and, uh, and she's just incredible. I mean, both of my parents, I'd say I have the best parents in the world. When I was eight, come on, come on, somebody, just honor them. I have to give honor to them because as I tell you a little bit of this story, I'm, I'm going to be a little transparent, but I want you to understand that, uh, you know, when my parents split up when I was eight years old, I, I wasn't in their shoes. I don't know what they were going through. All I know is I was a young man and it hurt me and I didn't really know what was going on, but I don't, I don't hold anything against them whatsoever at all. Come on, somebody. 
But I remember experiencing that disjointedness as a young person. As, a, as an eight-year-old, I felt like, you know, my heart's with my mom and my dad, and, my, and, and they're moving. And, and so I, th- this was part of my upbringing, this was part of my growing up. Now, even as a young man, I dreamed of being a dad. I dreamed of being a father and having a family. But I, I was so jacked up in my own identity, I didn't know how I was going to get there. Have you ever thought about that, about your own life? Like the promises God has given you, like, how am I going to get there? Like what Rochelle's saying, those stars are far. Like, how can I just reach up and receive that? And, and so growing up, uh, that's part of my upbringing. Then I get radically saved and touched and transformed. Now the whole time, both of my parents are loving me and doing their part, but I'm maybe not making the best choices and I'm choosing to be a little bit of a maverick and, and run the opposite direction. And then I get saved and then I, I'm going to church and now I'm experiencing a different culture. I'm experiencing... Um, you know, it's not, it, it's really not that functional either. Hello. Now, if I was really honest, I'd say that most churches are not very functional. Now they can look really functional, but when you get down to it, like, how are the relationships? You know what I'm saying? How are the families? How are the dads? How are the moms? How are the kids? Like, how, how do we really function? Are we healthy? Are we disjointed individually? Because we can come to church and look real good and get our Holy Ghost on or praise on, but we could be totally disjointed. We could not be whole, even though we appear to be whole. Amen. And it's the same thing with the church. So I start going to church and, and, and I felt like God's calls in my life. I shared a little bit of this last week and, uh, and I went through some ups and downs. I, I told you the story the first time I ever taught some lady, I was young too, and I was very shy. Some lady's like, oh, by the way, you don't have the gift of teaching. And I'm just like, why would you say that to another human? You just stabbed me in the heart. But, uh, I, you know, I went through some ups and downs. But one thing I remember clear is that I felt like I had this passion in my heart. And, uh, and I felt like the presence of the Lord had just, it just really just crashed into my life. And, and I, wanted to, I wanted to minister the gospel to people. I wanted to love people. I wanted to be, uh, you know, I wanted to have a family. I had all these dreams, but I wanted to maybe pastor church or evangelist. I wasn't sure, but but I remember not really having uh, a sense of anybody behind me the whole time that I was growing up in the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Have you ever felt that before? Like, have you ever felt like no one really saw who you were? Have you ever felt like you were unnoticed? That you weren't noticed, like you were invisible? How many have ever felt invisible before? You see, and I feel like as a body, we, we are to uh, bring forth the invisible that's inside of people, but we're also, we're also supposed to make them feel like they're not invisible, like we see how valuable they really are. So I'm growing up. Now, I had a dream of being a dad, but I was so disjointed myself. Like, how can I be a loving husband and a father when I don't even know I'm a son? You understand what I'm saying? So I'm going through this stuff. And and you know, I, I needed a lot of healing, although I had the, it, it seems to be normal, you know, broken families and stuff like that. Um, I needed a lot of healing, yet I wanted to just launch out into ministry. Now as a church, it was, it was very similar. Like we, we start having church services in 2009, March of 2009. By the way, our six year anniversary is in March of this year. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And oh, what the Lord has done. Come on, hundreds have been saved, healed, and delivered since then. Hundreds of souls. Come on. Pimps, prostitutes, drug dealers, broken people. Come on, somebody. Give God a shout. That's what it's all about. That's the stuff right there. 
And it's just barely beginning. Uh, but we started the church and we're like, yes, God, we're going to do what you created us to do. And, you know, and then, and then we got smacked in the face with reality. <laughs> we start the church and there's 15 adults in a coffee shop and we're singing loud. It's me on the guitar singing and, and Stephanie on the cello and Daniel on the djembe. And I think we might've had another vocalist. who was either uh, Rachel or, or Sadie that was singing with us. And, and, and we're in a coffee shop. We got kicked out because we we're too loud. Come on, somebody. That's just who we are, you know. We probably will start having earplugs at the back table for some of you. We want to honor your ear drums. Uh, and at the same time, we want to rock out. So we kind of like have that. We'll just do some earplugs. Come on, somebody. But, but I feel like uh, recognizing this, this maturity process as a church. Now, we've been through some stuff. And I, I remember these moments in ministry where I felt like, quitting, many of them. Uh, and then, and then there was strength for me. And then I found strength and it was usually in the presence of God. It was usually in a moment of worship where my heart was surrendered because there's always limitless courage and strength for those that choose to agree with heaven. That's a good word right there. You have unlimited supply of courage to you. If you just agree with what heaven is saying over your life. And there was moments I didn't agree. Maybe I started believing a lie or maybe I went through some stuff where I felt. And, and as a church, listen, we went through some pruning stages. Do you know that pruning is absolutely important to the process of growth and maturity to bear lasting fruit in your life and in your family and in your church? But pruning is painful. Can I get an amen right there? trying to be the husband that God wants me to be when, when the Holy Spirit prunes my life, it's painful sometimes because it requires me to bow. It requires me to yield to heaven. It requires me to yield to Jesus and learn to love better. Uh, to, to be a father that treats his kids like Papa God treats us. It, it, it's a, it's a painful process. Sometimes unlearning the things that, that I do uh, when I shouldn't do them. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? But really, I'm not just talking about behavior. I'm talking about identity. I'm talking about, I, I didn't know who I was. And so as a church, we've, we've grown and we know who we are. Now we went through some major pruning processes, but this morning, I mean, there are moments where, you know, some of our key leaders, uh, you know, were, were uh, just not for us for some reason, or, you know, they're going through their own personal things. And, and so that, that, those are tough times, but but how many know that that is not the season that we're in now? And I have a prophetic word for you to just, just share my heart with you about the season that we're in. And there's, there's a few scriptures I'm going to just read to you real quick. And then I'm not going to preach too long. Last week I went a little long, but I was, man, I just had that word burning in me. But I, I want to just share with you real quick that, yes, there is, uh, there's been some times where God approves those that are among us and, and that continues to happen. How many know if there's leaven in the lump, when the fire's turned up, you know, if there's leaven in the lump, because it puffs up and sometimes God exposes the leaven that way. When he turns the fire up, how many feel like they're in an oven sometimes in the spirit? It was kind of ovenish in here this morning and they had to open the doors. Uh, that, but, but I feel like that God is 
we know he's turning up the fire. We know the glory is going to increase. So there will be continuing small prunings that take place. And, and when I say that, I'm talking about the community of the saints that our destinies are connected. And sometimes we don't realize that someone's body isn't where their heart is or someone's heart isn't where their body is. And they've got to make decisions and they've got to uh, decide within themselves and settle issues in their own heart. And sometimes people will not be a part of our church or our community, or our body. When we feel like we have this big, huge vision, there's sometimes there's some people just won't connect and that's okay. Okay. Amen. But we went through some things where there was some disjointedness. And I said, God, what is, I mean, like, I felt like we're a unified church and man, heaven is here and heaven's moving. Powerful things are happening. And then we just get hit, like just hit in the face with the spiritual sledgehammer is what it feels like. And, and those are moments that we say, no, I'm going to choose to rise up. But I, I just want to make a prophetic declaration And it's part of our identity as people and understanding who we are as a church and what God has created us to do, not only in this city, but in the world. I want you to get a local and a global vision with me this morning and understand the season that we're in, that we are no longer in a season where some at times will be scattered, but we are in a season of gathering and multiplication and we are in a season of overflow and we're in a season of awakening and we're in a season of blessing and we are in a se- we're in a season, we're in a season where blessing is not a suggestion, it's a command. And, and I want, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just preach this word to you that, that God, God wants you, you have to be aware of this, that when you're a part of a church that experiences the manifest presence of God, you are going to be uh, unified with the people around you. There's going to be a bonding that takes place. Listen, if you were, if you respond rightly to the manifest presence of God, your marriage will get healthier. Come on, somebody. You'll become the better dad, the better mom, the better son, the better daughter. God will begin to show you who you really are because he's loving the crap out of you. Come on, somebody. I mean, I could tell you stories. I remember going to the altar at any altar call because I just wanted more. And I would get slain in the spirit or something. I'd be snotting and crying. Jesus, help me. How many know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? And you're laughing, crying, laughing. Like, what is wrong with you? Some people, you know, appear to be crapping themselves, but they're not. They're just jacked up and wrecked. And is that okay to say that in church? And I would get up thinking I'm going to be a new, powerful Christian. And then I would keep doing the same old stuff. Most people aren't honest about that in church. Praise God, I experienced the Lord at Encounter Church Las Vegas. And then you still yelling at your spouse the same way. Hello? And I used, it used to tick me off. Like, what's really going on inside here? Then I realized I just need to let God love me in those moments. And the whole time he's just loving the stuff out of me. And if I just let him love me, Something happens in the innermost part of my being and change comes and maturity comes and I grow and then I learn I'm powerful and I, and I learn I'm valuable and I learn to rise up and I learn to make powerful choices and I learn that, that that change comes only through me yielding to the love of God. Now it's the same thing in a church. Sometimes I'm like, well, you know, we're moving forward and things are good and, 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 and then we'd have little setbacks and we'd have disjointedness. But listen, we are not in a season of disjointedness or scattering. We're in a season of gathering and multiplication as a church body. I want you to know, I make a prophetic declaration that we will be known as a unified church. Come on. We will not only be known as a unified church, but a church that unifies. 
And it starts because we love people, because we want to see people whole. We want to see families whole. We want to see fathers, fathers, and mothers, mothers, and sons turn to the fathers, then fathers turn to the sons. Come on, somebody. And we want to see people well. And this morning, I have a word burning in my heart. Let me just read a few verses to you. Let me just read a a couple admonitions of of the the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to read these, one out of the New Living Translation, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Then I'm going to read to you uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 out of the Message Translation. And then I'm going to go to our two main texts. Are you ready? Are you enjoying this so far? Ephesians chapter 4 in the New Living Translations. Therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Oh, that's so good. Make allowance of each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. One translation says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. There's an endeavoring, there's a fervency, there's a fire. There's something in your heart that just says, the same way a mom and a dad, and it comes from Papa God's heart. A mom and dad says, I want my kids to get along. Paul is admit, he's encouraging and correcting the church. There's an admonition of, admonition of heaven. He's saying, listen, I want you to make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit. Say one body and one spirit. Then he says, just as you have been called into one glorious hope for the future. How many believe there's hope for the future? Amen. The next portion of scripture I'm going to read to you real quick is uh, Philippians chapter two, verses one through four in the message. Uh, If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, Uh, If being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, uh, don't you like Eugene Peterson? He's just straight up. He says, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Can you say amen? Amen. Now I want to read uh, two verses to you. I'm going to read uh, actually a couple out of Psalms. Turn to Psalm 133. Most of you know that Psalm. If you have your Bibles, iPhones, iPads, would you just open up to Psalm 133? How's everybody doing this morning? Did you get some coffee this morning at the at the Basilea Cafe, or the Basilea Cafe. Do you know that's the Greek word for kingdom, Basilea? You thought it was just a fancy Italian-ish name? No, it's the Greek word for kingdom. Come on, somebody. And soon we'll have a full-on coffee machine barista so you can get your latte and all that. Trying to get my wife off of Starbucks. Man, it's hard. Man, should have a Starbucks recovery program. Let's launch one here in this church. So we hope you're doing well. Give me, give me just about seven more minutes. Are you all ready? Psalm 133. It's like the precious oil. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse one. How good and pleasant it is. Oh, those are good words right there. How good 
and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. When God's people are in harmony. When God's people are one. When God's people, like Acts 4.32 says, they were of one heart and they are of one mind. In other words, they thought the same and they desired the same. Hello? They were of one mind, so they, they thought the same. They thought in the same ways. They weren't robots. They all had their own uniqueness. As a matter of fact, you can't have unity without diversity. You can't have unity of a body without diversity. Every part does its share, but they had a same way of thinking. They, they thought the same way. And, and they also had the same heart. Acts 4.32 says they were of one heart and one mind. That was the church. That was the, the what came out of the fruit of being the dwelling place for God in Acts chapter 2 where it says, and I love this verse, when they were all together in in one, they, it says they heard a sound from heaven and the Holy Spirit came. How many know the verse I'm talking about? Come on, old school Pentecostals, wave at me. You know, you memorize. And the tongues of fire came and sat upon each of them. Hallelujah. And they spoke with tongues and magnified God. That's our favorite part, right? Is that your favorite? That's my favorite part. Makes me want to go, come on, somebody. Just, yes, I am charismatic and I'm not afraid and I'm not offended at the Holy Spirit. And we will teach you all that stuff too. We have a, a series on this, the gifts of the spirit and it's a, it's a real fun series, but I, I love, I love the unity that you see in the early church. I love, they were of one mind and of one heart. They thought the same and they had the same desires. Like they, they had their hearts, listen, their hearts were oriented in the same direction. And, and first and foremost, our hearts are oriented at heaven. Our hearts are oriented at the presence of God. Our hearts are oriented at encountering God. So it says how good and pleasant it is for God's people to dwell in unity. Say amen. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, down Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon uh, falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. Three things I see in here. I see that, that God uh, brings his people together, and I see that there is there's a uh, a pleasure of heaven that comes. There's a goodness, a joy that comes. How many see in the book of Acts where it says there was great joy in that city? You know, one of the fruits of God being present is joy, not religious somberness. Now, sometimes there's weeping. Yes, but, but joy is the fruit. Listen, it says in his presence is fullness of somberness. Well, the presence of the Lord is here. So let's get real serious. I don't like that pastor. He tells too many jokes. You know, I'm trying to get your heart open so you'll receive the word of the Lord. So just let me tell some jokes. You need some laughter in your life. I see your face. Come on, somebody. Joy. There's a pleasure of heaven. There is a goodness that comes. Why? Because we're like one. We are, we're one body. We're of one heart. And listen, you know what that means? I know someone's got my back. I remember these moments falling and, and, and just, you know, feeling like giving up because someone around me that I thought had my back doesn't have my back. And then I realized the person that I didn't see had my back was actually there. And then I saw who heaven really sent to have my back and something on the inside said, get back up again because you got people all around you. See, I remember a time as a church where I wanted to quit. And then I remember a worship pastor and his wife named Chris and Carly Ritchie that were there for us when we were broken, when we, I remember they came 
came over one time when we were crying and they said, we're here for you and we love you and we honor you and we're going to pray for you. And I couldn't pray for myself in that minute, but somebody came along my side and said, I'm going to pray for you. See, when you have oneness and unity, you know, there's people around you and your eyes are open to the value they are in your life. See, unity happens when you see value in other people. And you see value in other people when you experience the presence of God. Because God awakens something on the inside. See, when your heart changes, your eyes change. When, when your heart changes, your visions change. If you're seeing certain things, it's because your heart is oriented in that direction. Your, your eyes will be like a magnet to what your heart is already open to. And if your heart is open to, to people and you love people, you're going to see the value for they are. And if your heart is open to the manifest presence of God, then you, something changes. You have a love and a value and an honor for people. And when you value them, unity comes. Because you see how important they are to your life. You see that they are connected to your destiny. Amen. I think about my spiritual kids and I, I, they, they have no idea how grateful I am for them. Like they serve when nobody's watching. I think it's a prophetic picture of even my, one of my spiritual sons, Luis, on the soundboard that we have to have the sound up on the stage uh, because we don't have all the equipment yet to have it back there. But it's a, I was in worship. Luis, listen to me. It's a prophetic significance that you need to be honored for what you do behind the scenes. And, and although you haven't been seen, you honor us and you're important to this body. So we're going to have you right there for a little while. So you don't know they serve in kids church. They serve my, my spiritual son, Laris. He's like, he's on the drums and he wants to serve all the time. He comes here early. PZ, you need me for anything. I mean, their hearts just display honor and love and genuine relationship. And they know us when no one else is around. They see our flaws and they love us. Why? Because they've encountered the love of God. See, when you counter the love of God, you don't look at everyone's flaws. You see around their sin. You don't look and you're not on autocorrect. Come on, everyone here that has a smartphone has accidentally texted someone the wrong thing. One time I sent Wendell McGowan something at the Holy Spirit conference and it spelt like sex or something. And I'm like, oh God, and it was too late. And it wasn't me, it was the autocorrect. And Bill Johnson is in the room and all these like spiritual heroes, autocorrect. Some people are on autocorrect. They think it's their job to fix everyone and criticize everything about what everyone else is doing, but never see any flaw in their own life. Don't criticize the lack, become the more. Do what God has anointed you for. Focus on that. Come on, somebody. Focus on that and do what God has anointed. And guess what? I'm not anointed to fix people. That's not my job. My job is not to fix you. I'm just going to love you. I hope that helps, but my job's not to fix you. My job's to bring destiny out inside you, to call forth the invisible. But there's a unity that happens. There's a value that, that seizes our hearts. The other thing I see in here is precious oil. Come on, say precious oil. Now, many of you don't know this, but there's been moments as a young man growing up in the Lord where one of my Bible study teachers, Phil Nelson, he's in the back. Yes, I'm calling you out, Phil. I would be in the spirit worshiping. He'd take a whole bottle of oil and pour it over my head and it would just run and just ruin my t-shirts. But I didn't care because I honored him as a teacher. Go ahead. How many, how many love though when the Holy Spirit 
is like precious oil pouring over your head. How many love seasons of refreshing and renewal where you're just like, God, I love this season. Listen, you can remain in that season in a unified, when you're whole, when you're in a community of wholeness, a healthy community, come on, you are in, guess what? Not just a pleasant season, but you are in a season of overflow. Say overflow. This is the season that we're in. We're not in a season of disjointedness and hurt. We've been through the valley and yes, there's always going to be things that happen in life, right? But you're in a season of overflow. That's a good word. I love overflow. You know why overflow? Because God wants to bring more favor on your life so you can, you can spread it out around you. So you can give some people some favor. So you can give people some of your influence and your blessing because that's why God is blessing you, not just for yourself. Amen. The other thing I see here in this verse, and this is what I want to just home in on for a minute. I have a whole nother verse I'm going to read to you in closing. But this is, this is what I want to close with. That It says that the Lord uh, bestows his blessing uh, in this place of unity. I like the New King James and I think the NAS because it says the Lord commands a blessing. That's a good word. Are you all still with me this morning? I know I said seven minutes and it's been nine, but just hold with me for two more and we'll just home land this thing, get you out. We know we got playoff games starting in like 21 minutes. That's important to me too. So I honor you and, but I'm going to just keep preaching. Thank you, Lord. All the people that are emotionally attached to their football team start, go Packers, go Seahawks. Amen. All right. Listen, this season is not, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be overtaken by the blessing of heaven. It's not going to be just a suggestion. It's a command. We are in a place of unity. We are a unified church. We're a church that's whole. We're a church that's been through some things. But guess what? God is with us. God's hand is upon us strong. Amen. And we are, we are going to be people that are commanded by the, the Lord is commanding a blessing. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. How many just lift their hands right now and say, I receive it. The Lord commands a blessing. He says they're going to be blessed whether they like it or not. I like that kind of stuff. Like God's going to wreck you with his love whether you like it or not. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Not always. He's a Holy Spirit. He does what he wants to do. The wind blows where it wishes. Sometimes it's a gentle breeze. Sometimes it's a fire that burns everything up in a good way. Amen. Quickly turn over to 2 Chronicles and I, I could really lay out a whole nother message on this, but I won't do that. I want to hone in on Second Chronicles 30, and I'm going to read verse 12. Hezekiah is a king that believes in restoration. Hezekiah is a king that believes in the purity of the presence of God. Hezekiah is a king that believes in unity. He begins to call forth all the tribes back to, do, to, to have the Passover again. Now, I want to hone in on this verse because it's a prophetic word. There's so much wind on this. I was spending time with the Lord and the Lord just breathed this verse and it was like a rhema for our day, for our time, for this community. Are you with me? For this city and who we are, part of in our, our inheritance and the mandate of heaven that is not just upon us as a people, but as a, or as a church for the city and for the world. Come on. So King Hezekiah sends out a decree and he's calling all the people to come gather again. Come on. It's a season of gathering. If you read chapter 31, he purifies the temple. Now everything's changed in the new covenant, but 
in, in the new covenant, as we consecrate ourselves, we're already sanctified, but it's a posturing of our heart. We have a will and we have to turn our heart to heaven. We have to sometimes turn away from certain things. You understand what I'm saying? Now, right here, this is what I want to hone in on. It says here that the couriers are going out from town to town and there's some people that ridiculed and joked about this decree the king gave. There's some people that just didn't, they belittled it. They belittled unity. They belittled the Passover. They belittled what God had said to a former generation. And, and here's the verse that just, just came alive to me. It says, nevertheless, there was some from Asher, from Manasseh, from Zebulon. Uh, Zebulon is that planet from the science fiction movie. You guys remember it, right? Planet Zebulon. I, every time I read that, I, I can't get that out of my head. It says that some of these from these tribes, how many know that it's good there's different tribes? Like we're our own tribe. It's just who we are. And there's different ministries around the city. They're different tribes. And not everyone connects with this tribe. Not everyone connects with other tribes. But we're still one church throughout the world, throughout the city, throughout the world. Amen? So they all grabbed a hold of the word of the Lord. It says some of them ridiculed. You're always going to have that. But some people got a hold of it. Now, this is what I, this is it right here. Are you ready? Say, this is it. Verse 12. Also in Judah, the hand of God was on the people to give them unity of mind to carry out what the king and his officials had ordered following the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, not only will we be known as a church that love jacked up people and see them whole, we're already known for that. We'll be known as a church that loves one another, a unified church. We'll be known as a church that has healthy families and healthy marriages. We're known for that. Come on, somebody. But we're going to be known as a church that the hand of God is on us strong to bring unity to all the other tribes. To bring unity to the city church. Are you listening to me this morning? I'm telling you, it's the word of the Lord. Let it bring a shift and a reality. Some of you don't realize what you're a part of. And sometimes I don't know what I'm a part of. But love awakens me and I see value and I see God's hand strong. Judah is his glorious praise. Remember last week we talked about David going from cave to cave in the hills of Judah. It's in the moments of praise and worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. It's in those moments. It's praise. It's worship that brings true unity. Why? Because our hearts bowed as Jesus is Lord. And it doesn't matter what tribe, what denomination, what church, where you've been, where you think you're going. We all come under the dominion of heaven in those moments of praise. But it says here, this is is who we are as a church. It says the hand of God was on the people to give them unity of mind and carry out what the King, come on somebody, King Jesus, because of the word of the Lord. Will you stand up with me as we close? You enjoy that word this morning. Come on. Would you just give God a shout? Give God a shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we set our hearts on heaven right now. And we thank you for the spiritual mandate. We thank you for the authority of heaven coming into this room, coming into our lives. And we will grab a hold of it. And we will first and foremost say, Lord, make us whole and make our marriages whole and make our families whole. And and so we can be a whole community. So we can be a whole church and we can be a refuge for the broken because a, a dysfunctional uh, family can't come into another dysfunctional family and get whole. 
and we are functional. We are no longer in a season of disjointedness, but we're moving into a, a great season of blessing, uh, a, a season of good pleasure, a season of overflow. Come on, somebody. A season where God is commanding blessing and your hand is upon this tribe. We are Judah, Lord. We, are, we love to worship. We love the presence of God. The presence of God is priority in this house. Come on, if you agree with that, give God a shout. The presence of God is priority in this house. And hand, the hand of God is on this community to bring unity. It's already in our DNA. The first pastors meeting we ever had, 22 pastors showed up in a room. That does not happen normally. Pastors don't like to get together because they all have agenda. But we need to move from agenda to vision. And if we just love people, and we stop getting so territorial. We can come together and we can see things change. Come together as a church, as a family, whole, and come together as a city and see change. It's not a coincidence that we have very influential mentors and fathers. And my heart always bows to the grace that's on people's lives that carry that. Guess what? Because I can't be a dad unless I learn to be a son. The same thing goes for you. I can't be a functional uh, church representative representing Jesus if I'm a broken person and I have fractured family. I've got to know family. It's it's a kingdom is about family. And you don't know your identity unless you know the Father's love. So Lord, we just say yes to this mandate together. Would you pray this with me real quick? And then we're gonna we're gonna have a prayer team come up. So prayer team start praying uh, aside right now and get ready to come up and we're gonna invite anyone that needs prayer and we're gonna dismiss you. But pray this with me. Say Father in heaven I say yes to the corporate mandate, the corporate call to be a unified person. Unified in my, if I'm married, unified in my family, unified with my uh, church. I posture my heart to carry out this mandate in our city, in this region, and even in other nations. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that when your presence comes, we're made one and we are one. Come on, would you just shout out his name? Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord. I want to have my wife come up right now. Would you come and dismiss and call the prayer team up? Amen. Bless you. Can you guys just close your eyes really quick with me? I pray, um, I feel like the word of the Lord was for us to have a response in our hearts. To say, I'm going to be the one that will stand for unity in my church, in my family, in my city. Somebody's got to be the person to just say, it's going to be me. So can you say that in your heart? Say, it's going to be me. I'm going to stand for unity. In Jesus' name.